Welcome to Your Hair Made Simple Podcast, where you're encouraged to embrace your natural hair with clarity, confidence, and courage. I'm your host, Shannon, and today we are talking about experimenting with our hair and embracing new styles. With me, I have my friend Jasmine, who is a higher ed professional and also an aficionado when it comes to trying different hairstyles. I feel like when it comes to different hairstyles, I've seen you try a variety of different looks and cuts. So Jazz, I will turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been natural. Sure. Hey, friends. Um, my name is Jasmine, as Shannon said. Um, in my nine to five life, I work in higher education um, with college students doing diversity, um, equity and inclusion programming. Um, I'm also a coach and a business owner and a podcast host. Yeah, Period. adding that one to the list. Whoa. Um, <laughs> and I have been natural since 2013. So a, a decade, like a little over a decade. Yeah. Man. Time goes by so fast. You said 2013. I'm like, oh, a decade. How is that that long ago? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, tell us a little bit about your journey with your hair. You know, like what what was the prompt for you to go natural? Like, what does that look like for you? Sure. So um, growing up, I was always told like by my mom, by people in my family that I had, quote unquote, like good hair. And right. so... I didn't get my first relaxer until I was like 14 or 15 years old. And I got it just because I was like, I just want to wear my hair straight because that's what everybody else is doing. Um, mm -hmm. And then eventually, I think the 2013 feels like when natural sort of was like kind of coming back around, like kind of not. I can't really remember. Yeah. Um, but essentially what happened was my mom basically told me I was in college and still living at home. So my mom would like flatter my hair because I missed whatever classes that people take to like learn how to do that in middle and high school, I missed all those classes. So like I did, I don't, I still don't know how to flat iron my hair. So my mom would like do it for me. And there was maybe like in August, she might've told me like, Hey, like when we get to next year, I'm not okay. flat ironing your hair anymore. So you need to figure it out. And I was like, Ugh. I don't know how to do this. I've missed my window. And I like just wasn't committed to learning and so I just started growing my hair out um, and was yeah. still getting it like hot ironed and like my mom was still doing it. And there was like, clearly remember the last time my mom flat ironed my hair, it was New Year's Eve 2012. We were getting ready for church. My mom had flat ironed my hair. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a little bust down. Like this looks cute. Got in the shower, got out that shower. Hair was done. Dunzo. I said, we spent a whole like hour doing this. And now I got to pull this up in a like little raggedy ponytail that's that's frizzed out and I'm upset because I got to go to church and we came home and I told my mom I said cut all of the relaxer the rest of this relaxer just cut it out mm. and so she did and then on the first yeah. I ended up going to um my hairdresser and she sort of just like shaped it up and so that was kind of the prompt my mom basically telling me like I'm not gonna yeah. keep water in your hair you're gonna have to figure it out and I said mm, not committed to figuring that out so we're just gonna go back to the natural because my hair I have good hair so like it's good yeah, man. Okay. So many interesting things there. One necessity being kind of like the mother of invention, not that you had to like invent being natural, but like necessity is the thing that pushed you into just being like, I'm fed up. I don't know how to straighten my hair. I can't manage it this way. But being natural, like doing my hair without heat, that seems like something that I could figure out. 
how to do, yeah. right? Like at the big grown age of being in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that your family had this perception of like you having good hair. Talk a little bit more about about that, right? Like about this notion of good hair. Like what what message did that relay to you when they were using those terms with you? Um that's an interesting question. Um I think like back then, I don't think I was like I don't think it it meant something to me, but like it also didn't. Like my yeah. dad is bald. He's been bald all of my life. My mom mm -hmm. has always had a relaxer. So like her hair's always been straight and so it's always been pretty. Mm -hmm. And then me and my brother both have like curly hair, but he kept his hair cut in a fade. So yeah. I was like the only yeah. person who had like hair that was curly in my mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. And so it so I think like hearing that, I was like, okay, cool, because I had never seen my mom's natural hair. Had never mm. seen my dad's hair. My brother always got his hair cut in a fade. So I was like, okay, like that's nice to know. Um, but then I think when like I heard like other people who were not my family be like, oh my gosh, like you have such good hair, like your hair's so soft, it's so curly. I'd be like, mm -hmm. Thanks. right. Um, and I also I don't think that was back in the day when we were like hair typing around texture and yeah. like most of my friends growing up, a lot of them had, we like grew up in the era of like braids and cornrows. And like, mm -hmm. so every, in my head, everybody had good hair because like everybody was rocking braids for the most part anyway, yeah. or like your hair was plaited up or you started getting relaxers. So like, I just assumed everybody, not everybody who had bad hair, but like all my friends who, whose hair was unmanageable, quote unquote, right? Like y'all got relaxers when y'all were like 11. But I didn't get a relaxer mm. until I was 14 because I had good hair. So, like, I didn't need a relaxer. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think back then I was, like, making sense of what that meant. But I think yeah. now I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I would always be like, dang, I guess if you got a relaxer before you was in high school, you probably had bad hair. And that was just an assumption that I made because I'm like, yeah. I didn't get a relaxer. And my mom told me she wasn't going to relax my hair. She's like, you can get it later, but like, we're, we're not doing that right now because your yeah. hair is not unmanageable for me. Yeah. I asked that question specifically because I think that's a term, like as we've gotten older, we have started to like understand and make meaning of it in a different way. Right. And it's interesting because there's a, a generation of people, like you said, like your mom had a perm. And so like people that like didn't necessarily spend a lot of time with their natural hair, but like either trying to learn or this is general, not in terms specifically of your mom or like yeah. being afraid to learn. So it's just like anything in its natural state is unmanageable. So then you see them getting the perms for their kids or like things like that. And it, yeah. you know, it kind of generates this notion of like, oh, the hair is unmanageable because they had to get it permed when it's not necessarily that it's unmanageable, but it's just kind of like a miss in education and a miss in opportunity. And sometimes maybe even a, a just miss in willingness and openness to try to start to try with your hair right it's like more yeah. of in our minds thinking something is difficult than the reality of it being true because to you everything was good hair it was just like everything is good hair braids are good like if it looks good it's good you know right yeah. and I think that just shows like what the difference in a mindset can make in terms of yeah the definition and a perception yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, too, because um, I remember, so I have, my niece is biracial, and so she has 
wavy, like curly-ish hair. Mm-hmm. And I remember when she was really little, my mom used to say like, oh, like she has such good hair. And I was like, stop saying that. Like, it's yeah. like, because like, if it wasn't curly, it wouldn't necessarily be bad. It's just like, it's just hair. And like, hair. yes, the texture makes it a bit easier to manipulate. And like, if it gets wet, like nobody's upset because it's just going to curl up and like, it's not a big deal. I was like, but like, it's just good because it's hers. Like, that's it. And so as a, not as a family, but like me and my mom have sort of, I think I have, I hopefully, <laughs> I've been an advocate to be like, just don't use that word. Like, it's just hair. Yeah. And if it's their hair and they like it, it's good. Like, in whatever texture and or whatever protective style they want to have it in, like, it's good because that's the decision that they've made for themselves. Yes. And that's what they feel comfortable and confident in. And so it is good by nature of them choosing what they want to do with their hair. Yes. And then even just to add to that, like, if you have the right products, if you have the right styles and knowledge base, like, if your hair gets wet, regardless of like, if it's curly or like kinky or coily, like, if you know what you're going to do with it afterwards, then, you know, manageability is all about perception and understanding. So it's good because it's yours. And the more you learn about it, the more time you put into loving it, the more time you put into caring for anything, like, the better understanding you have and the better you're able to cultivate a relationship with it and even experiment with new styles, experiment with new things because you're growing that space of comfort as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of experimenting with different styles, I know that like I've seen you personally just embrace a bunch of different styles. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your mindset because you mentioned that like you went natural, you cut off the perm, you were just like, I'm done with this, I'm over it. But since then, up until now, right, like in these last 10 years, how has your hair like influenced how you show up in different spaces, how you decide to style it? What does that look like for you? Sure. Um, So I did the big chop. My first big chop was in 2013. I think I've maybe cut my hair maybe three or four times since then. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, I cut my hair in 2021. Yeah. And did like a big-ish chop. Um, I think my mindset has always been like, it'll grow back. And so yeah. when, particularly when I'm cutting my hair, um, when it gets to sort of like this froey state that it's in currently, and I'm mm-hmm. like, ah. I really enjoy like having these like nice little long twists with a little hang time. Like I enjoy this. <laughs> and so I always have like a moment before I actually cut my hair being like, do we really want to do this? And I'm like, eh, whatever, yeah. it's going to grow back and it's fine. Like it's fine. Um, and so I think that has always sort of been the mindset of like, if I don't like it, mm-hmm. if like, it'll grow back. Like if the color doesn't work out the way it needs to, it, it's, it'll grow out and it'll be fine. We can cut it again. Like, so I've always just had this idea of like, hair's going to continue to grow. And because it's going to continue to grow, like I can continue to explore because there's not, not necessarily anything that I could do in terms of cutting or styling that's like going to keep it from growing. Like this is naturally going to continue to grow. And so yeah. I think because of that, then particularly when it comes to cutting my hair, I'm just like, whatever. And I will make a decision. I'll be like, I think I'm going to cut my hair in a new style. And I might text three or four people. Three, If my mom says yes and, like, one friend says yes, mm-hmm. it's a wrap. I'm booking my appointment, like, that day. Like, so it's always been, like, I think I'm going to cut my hair. And then, like, ask my mom about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, I think that would be cute. And then, like, in the next week, my hair's cut. She's like, 
I didn't, I did not think we were doing this this soon. I was like, yeah, I, the decision was halfway made when I asked you, which is why <laughs> it was so easy. To, the appointment low key was already booked. So we, we're here now. Um, but I think that that sort of, I don't have a, I do have a connection to my hair, but um, I don't, I don't see it as a permanent thing. And so um, I'm not attached to it in a permanent way. Um, and so I think because I don't have an emotional permanence to it, then like um, it just gives me a little bit more freedom to explore it because I don't, I haven't, I mean, I love it. Like it's cute. It's great. I love my little fro, but I mean, I'm like, eh, if we decide to cut tomorrow, I might get cut. Like, and that's fine. But I think it's important because it's, it's about loving it in any stage, right? Like, like you said, you were able to cut it off. You're able to enjoy and know like you have these certain here moments that you enjoy, but it doesn't hinder you from doing something differently because you know that like you can always get back to that state of like the little hair moment that you enjoy like you can go back to that style but there's there's room for other things and also I think it's so funny that you're like if your mom says yes that's it right that community support we just need one affirmation we just need Mm -hmm. one person to come in agreement to touch and agree factual (laughs) and it's done and it's done no it's done for real and don't let my friends get the Pinterest pictures and then talk about like, oh, girl, this would be like, if my friends really, really hype it up, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Because yeah. I was like, yeah, everybody thinks it's going to look great on me. I think it's going to look great. Let's do it. Period. <laughs> so what are some of the styles that you've tried over the years? Hmm. So big chops out of teeny weeny afro. Um, yeah. I I'm a fan of just like twist outs in general. That's my Mm go-to style. It's a wash and go or a twist out. It's usually like if my hair is spread out, that's what it's going to be. I really enjoy having a taper cut. Um, That's the last like styled cut that I had was a taper cut. And then right before that, or I guess sort of the precursor to that, I had shaved my Mm -hmm. sides. Like both of the sides were shaved and I was wearing braids. And that was a time going to the barbershop. That was an interesting that was an interesting hair moment, as you call it, like for the for the like two or three months when I was before I moved when I was doing that. Um, so I would say those are probably some of my favorite. And I'm always a fan of like twists and locks and braids, like as protective mm-hmm. styles. I don't get them as often, but I'm a fan of them in any length. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious. What was interesting about the barbershop? Tell me more. So, <laughs> um, so I. I think what was interesting about it was because I think the last time like I was in a barbershop was like when I was a kid, I was going to get my brother out of the barbershop. Like I've never really spent yeah. significant time in the barbershop, but I think about like what I think about the way that other people talk about the barbershop and like I've seen the movie. And so it's like, yeah, there's like all this. Um, I just think like, oh, there's all this tea that like men are spilling at the barbershop with each other. There's like all this community and camaraderie that's happening at the barbershop. And yeah. like the barbershop I went to was not like this. <laughs> it, and it, it like it was cool, but like <laughs> I would go and then I'm like, this, y'all are so quiet and everybody's just watching ESPN and like y'all yeah. not really talking. And like that's cool. And so I used to like my barber, he was on time and I appreciated that. Like if I made an appointment at 12 o'clock, by 12 or 5, I was in a chair. We didn't and we didn't even have a whole lot of conversation because I'm like, I don't know what to talk to you about, bruh. Like I'm and I don't really want to talk. Usually when I'm getting my hair done, like, I don't want to talk. Getting my yeah. nails done, I don't want to talk. Like, I'm just here to, like, 
not have to say anything. I'm going to tell you what I want. I'm going to show you the picture of my style. Yeah. You're going to do your thing. I'm going to say thank you. And we're going to get out of here. Um, <laughs> but everybody in the barbershop was like that. <laughs> and so I really thought I was like, yeah. going to be, be, you know, in tune with some of the male secrets of, you know, success and business and relationships. <laughs> I'm like, y'all not talking about nothing. Y'all barely talking about the game that's on TV. Um, you thought you was going to be an uh, insider and they were not giving you nothing insider. They were not giving you nothing. Not a thing. Um, but my barber was fire. He was fire. He yeah. did his thing every single time. Um, but yeah, it was just quiet and it was chill. And we talked about, like, what are you doing this weekend? That was probably mm-hmm. the one question we asked each other every single time I was in there. And that was it. Um, but I also understand why men are so loyal to barbers. Because when I moved um, from Auburn to Lexington, mm-hmm. I, like, I grew the rest of my taper out. Because I was like, I'm just, like, not in the mood yeah. to have to, like, figure out a barber. I really love the guy that I used to go to. I don't really have the time. And I don't have to have my hair cut, like, cut like this anymore. So we're just going to grow it out. And so not having, not staying in Auburn was the reason why, like, I grew my, my taper out because I was like, I'm not, I'm not in the mood to find a new barber. I got to find a new everything. Nail tech, church, like grocery store. Like, it's too much, too many new yeah. things. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's so interesting, right? Like how embracing new styles also, also put you in new hair communities right mm-hmm. and you're able mm-hmm. to observe how how the barbershop works and interacts versus going to a braider shop or like going to your stylist or all of these different experiences and honestly right the perception that we had like you said you watched barbershop the movie I think you know I've watched barbershop the movie too and to go in and it's like oh wait <laughs> maybe not <laughs> right I was like oh, okay y'all not all right I'm a I was ready but I'm gonna just all right, cool. <laughs> I'm going to just sit here. That's fine. <laughs> Through all of these different styles, because you mentioned one, having this barber and like going to all these other places, but how did you necessarily learn to care for your hair through these different styles, right? Like taper cuts versus protective styles, like versus twists, all of these different, um, you know, avenues of hairstyling. What's your process for your hair care? Um, I think my, the initial person who kind of taught me what to do with my hair was one of my good friends, like still a good friend to this day from mm-hmm. undergrad, Abriana. She like taught me how to do my first twist out. Um, cause she, she saw me getting bullied in yeah. this program that we're in. And she was like, Hey girl, I can show you how to twist out your hair. Um, cause it was in that stage yeah. of like, it's not quite a teeny weeny Afro and it's not like a full fro. So like weird in between where like, you can't just get in the shower and like wet it up and then and, and go like you're gonna have to put a little something on it to define it define your curls if that's what you want mm-hmm. and so shout out to her because I think that it would have taken me a little bit longer to figure out like what I'm doing and what products I need to be using without her just yeah. sitting and she had like beautiful natural hair Abriana's never had a relaxer like she's always been natural um and so I trusted her ability to like tell me what to do because I'm like well you've always had a frozen so I know you know what you're doing yeah um yeah and I think it was a lot of trial and error. I was very much a product junkie, like, early on in my natural journey. I was like, oh, Cantu got a new line. Oh, Miel got a new line. Like, I would have, I was just buying all the products. And I was like, I don't even use all of these. And my bathroom is, like, full of stuff that I don't use. Um, and so I had to really figure out, like, what products, like, work the best, not just work, but work the best and give me the best results in terms of definition and all, hold all these things. 
And so then when I found those products, I just was like, yeah, we're just going to stick to this. I'm a mm-hmm. fan of like simple. I'm very much a lazy natural. I'm not trying to do too much. If I have to do it, I'm not trying to do too much. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, I'm trying to have the least amount of products, the the least amount of steps, like all of that. And so, yeah, so I think that Abriana definitely helped. I think there were some folks on YouTube who early on I watched, right, trying to really trying to get my wash and go to wash and go the way I wanted it to. The ultimate um, natural goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to really get it the way, you know, the definition of state. And then I would say more recently it's been you um, through your hair coaching program, Hair Made Simple, um, really being able to understand um, the quality of the products I use. And so not just that like, oh, like this brand like gets me the curl that I want. It was like, yeah, but the pro- but the ingredients are terrible for your hair, yeah. right? And so it's like, transitioning to products that are more healthy for my hair um I think has also helped because I've seen my hair grow I'm like oh yeah the curls curling Mm -hmm. the way they need to like like, they popping in ways I have never seen them pop um and so I think that uh like going through that coaching experience with you and that community and really being a bit more educated about all of the things that you put on your hair right um I think has helped me more recently but I think it's a lot of trial and error but yeah. I mean, I chalk it up to like definitely my community, um, both real life and, and online, sort of helping to shape what I know and understand yeah. about my hair. Um, yeah, so. I love that because one, it just shows that it's a continual journey, right? Like you had this friend, like when you were in undergrad, like we've connected in the more recent years and you've been able to like work with the Your Hair Made Simple program in that avenue so it's just a continual learning journey and like the three things that I really heard was like community education Mm -hmm. and encouragement right like you got the knowledge you got people around you to like learn from bounce ideas off of like see what they're doing and you also have like an encouraged space to try like to you know be willing to engage in the experimentation yeah 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 I think that if I could think through the whole decade of my natural hair journey, like community. Well, I think over the course of my life, like community is just a, is a staple of my life. Like, um, but I think about my natural hair journey for sure. Like it has been all of those things, right. It's education, it's encouragement, like from my community. Um, even when I get it wrong and they're like, yeah, yeah, girl, don't wear that out. Like, (laughs) no. Right. And like exploring different, even styles with the fro, right. Calling my friends Mm -hmm. and being like, Hey girl, like, does this look cute? My friend would be like, nah, no, 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 don't do that. And I'd be like, okay, I was unsure. Thank you. Right. Cause you're like, I'm not going to have you out here looking like boo boo the fool yeah. either. And so I think that I've had a really great community that yeah. hasn't necessarily um, jaded my confidence in my ability to like wear my hair and to style my hair. Um, and I know everybody doesn't have community like that, but even when my community is like, mm, I don't think that style's as cute as you think it is. I can I can take that and receive that because I know like I also was unsure. So I was like, that's why I called you. So if yeah. you don't think it's good, like I'm not like we're not doing it then, right? Um and so I'm, yeah, shout out to to all my my community. Love you guys. <laughs> I love that. And shifting gears a little bit in terms of experimentation, right? Cause you've tried all these different styles, like you've learned the knowledge, the curls are popping tin, we've done the temper cuts, all of these things. How does that look when you're showing up in different professional spaces, right? Like you mentioned 
one, you're in academia as an educator. You are a coach as well. You are a podcaster. Shout out to Permission to Pivot, um, Jazz's podcast. You know, but how does changing your hair influence your interactions in all of these other spaces? Yeah, I, so that's such a good question. Um, I think that what I have found, so I live in, not in an anomaly, but I've always worked at predominantly white institutions. Um, but I've always worked in spaces with black and brown people. Um, and that's an anomaly at most predominantly white institutions. Mm -hmm. So I've always, my supervisors have been black women and currently is a black man who is married to a black woman. Um, and so within my office culture, like, it's not a thing. Like, I'm like, hey, I need to take the day off yeah. because I'm getting my hair done. Like, I'm getting my hair braided, so I'm not going to be here, right? Um, or when I switch the style up, like, people are just gonna be like, okay, I see you braids. Like, I see you cut. Like, it's, that's, you know, the language of the culture, yeah. right? Um, so that's always felt really good and really affirming. I think when I step outside of my normal or typical office space, it's, it's a mixed experience because sometimes I will run across colleagues, right, who are not um, people of color and like they'll look me in my face and not say anything to me when my hair is different. And I have other colleagues who, when they see me, they're like, oh, did you change? They'll ask, like, did you change your hair? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I got braids, whatever. And they're like, oh, it looks so cute. Like it looks so good on you. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's like a mixed sort of a mixed bag. Um, but I think for me, particularly in the space that I'm in where I'm, I'm very student facing, a lot of the students that I work with are black and brown students, a lot of women that it's important for me to show up authentically, particularly when it comes to, um, my choice in hair, because I know that even without them saying that, that like I am role modeling what it looks like to be a professional. And I'm going to put that in quotes, right? Um, but I'm role modeling what authenticity in your professional life could look like for you, right? And so mm-hmm. I want them to see someone who is like, she can wear a fro and she can rock braids and she can rock a sewing, like, and she doesn't have a problem doing that in any yeah. space, right? Um, and I also think that, I think for me, because I'm in this space, I'm also always actively affirming my students when they make a hair change, right? Okay, right? Like, it's the same, the same affirmation that I get about my hair. Like, I give that back to students yeah. because- they're also navigating the same environment and often are having similar experiences with their non-POC friends, right? Of like people walk past you that you know and will like look at you in the face and not say nothing because Mm. your hair is different. Like my face hasn't changed though. And we sit next to each other in the same class. So like, you know who I am because there's only so many people in this class, right? Um, So yeah, so it's just been, it's been interesting. And there's a, I guess a duality just because based on, the function that I work in, I think that if I worked in a different space, like it probably, it might be a different story, but um, I'm blessed to work in a space that's always been very black and very affirming. And so I've never really questioned like, should I, should I, or should I not? The job I have now, I interviewed for that job with a braided bun in both sides of my head shaved twice. And I didn't, have a moment where I was like, should I not wear this? I was like, it is what it is. And then like y'all black. And if y'all don't like it, like this is not where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I think what you said about like modeling, right? Like the freedom and the authenticity to choose to be different, to choose to have different styles, to choose to have 
your braided bun with the sides of your head shaved off and say like, this doesn't take away from the quality of anything that I am bringing to this space. If anything, yeah. it, you know, it adds, right? Because it enables other people to feel comfortable. It enables other people to feel seen. And, you know, some people don't exist in those environments, right? But I think to your point of like the moments where you encounter people who, you know, maybe aren't going to acknowledge you because your hair is different or like responding in a different way. The weight of that versus showing up authentically, the, the choice and the value is in the authenticity of showing up and, and choosing yeah. power, power past like those moments with those individuals in any instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think too, like, yeah, I just think about regardless, and I think I've I've had this mentality since, particularly since undergrad, right? Where it's just like, if I can't show up in a in a setting, any setting, that's a corporate yeah. setting, that's that's any setting, a business setting, whatever. If I can't show up authentically who I am, and in my appearance, I can't show up authentically who I am. Then like, what I have on the inside of me, I also know that I can't show up authentically. And so if I have to really sacrifice who I am on the front end when it comes to appearance, then I know like this isn't a place where I'm going to be valued, where I'm going to be affirmed, where likely like my creativity, all the things I bring to the table are going to be valued in the way that I desire them to. Um, and I think I know, I, I'm able to really ascertain that from, hmm, if I've got a, if I've got a question, if I have to show up differently, I'm going to do my hair different. I got to put on a different clothes, like all these things, like yeah. I don't want to be here, right? Because if I have to give up that much of myself before I even get in the room, then like, what do I, what else do I have to give up? If I get in the room, then what else am I giving up, right? And so mm. I think that yeah. that's also helped me to really identify like what spaces, um, what spaces get to experience yeah. like the fullness of who I am, both like obviously like just physically, like you just get to see me in your space, but then also like, get to experience what I bring to the table outside of just like, well, I'm a black woman. And so I add to the diversity in your space. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. That's good, man. Okay. We, as we are winding down on this topic and this conversation, I want to ask for those that are listening, right? Like that maybe they are not in these predominantly black spaces or maybe they are, but they just, you know, don't have the confidence to try and experiment with different styles or like branch out. Like what would be some tips or pieces of advice that you would share with them um, to encourage them to experiment with their hair? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so many things. <laughs> um, I think one of the things I would say is that I spoke about role modeling earlier and um, I have mixed feelings about what it means to be a trailblazer and what it means to be the first in spaces, particularly that are not mm. designed for black and brown people. But I think definitely in the corporate settings, if you're someone who's like thinking about like, I might switch it up and I'm not really sure how people might receive that, that there's probably someone, someone somewhere that's watching you that you don't even know is watching you. Right. And yeah. they're, they're looking at you for permission to show up authentically as themselves. They're looking at you as a model and a marker. And so I think that when I think about things like that, I'm like, yeah, just do it, right? Because they're, they're, there's somebody maybe on the other side looking at you and they're looking at you for that permission. Um, and I think the other thing, and I said this earlier, like, it's going to grow back. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, like, 
it's one is okay to explore and experiment mm-hmm. um in whatever way whatever the way that was like right because for for everybody exploration is not like i'm gonna chop my hair off and like we gonna yeah. rock right like sometimes it's styles and sometimes it's other thing maybe it's color like whatever that looks like um and i think it's helpful to understand the context of which you have to navigate right because there are some contexts mm-hmm. there are some very traditional contexts where if you wanted to put a pink streak on your hair, like that's a note, like it's not going to fly nowhere. Right. And that's just how it is in the industry. Tyred is a very uh, liberal industry. Right. And so like pink hair, red hair, tattoos, bald head, it don't matter in higher ed. Right. Um, there are other industries where it matters. And so I think understanding the context that you've got to navigate is important mm-hmm. because if you're going to explore and there's some not backlash, but but there's potential for some negative feedback. You've got to understand that before you start to explore because you have to mentally prepare for that, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't. It just, that's a part of your journey, particularly when I think about in, in the career space, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and I think about just like find the stuff you like and you don't know what you like until you explore. And so, um, taking the time to really figure out like what do I like about this style what do I like about this look why am I wanting to explore a new style or new look like all of those things are important to really feel confident about the decision that you make because you could change your style up and not be immediately confident in the style even if people are affirming Mm -hmm. that it looks good on you but if you're confident in the decision that you've made you will grow to like be like oh no like okay yeah this was a good decision I look bomb it's just a different appearance that I have to get used to. But yeah. I think if you don't understand why you're doing something or what's driving you to do it, then there's a potential that like you won't ever feel confident and you could get affirmed every day and you might not ever feel confident because you don't really understand what drove you to make the decision in the first place. All the gyms, all the bars. <laughs> I completely agree. Like definitely not necessarily interrogating, but like sitting with yourself and questioning like your why. Like, mm-hmm. is it because you saw somebody else do the style and you just really like it? Is there a deeper reason? Are you looking for a change in your life overall? Like hair can mean so many things to us at so many different moments in our journey. So it's really important to sit with yourself and process like in this moment, what does my hair mean to me right now? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I think interrogating your why, that's just a gem for life. That's that's not just when it comes here. That's that's a, that's a that was a bar for life in general. <laughs> All right, Jazz. Well, last last question for you in terms of your why. <laughs> if you could say one affirmation to your hair today, what would it be? Mm-hmm. I love this question. It's always just a hard question to answer. Um yeah. I think I would say like we've done a lot and we have come a long way and we still got some more growing to do. And I'm looking forward to that. And you're looking forward to that. I love it. All right. Well, Jazz, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone, thank you for listening. And remember that all hair is good hair and your hair is good hair. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe and hit the follow button. Leave us a review letting us know what part of the episode resonated with you. 
and share this episode with a friend who you think might also enjoy being a part of the conversation. And if you're located in the Atlanta area, be sure to check out the details on our live podcast episode recording coming up on Sunday, October 22nd, where we'll be interviewing a licensed cosmetologist to chat about how to best care for our hair in the stylist chair as well as away from the stylist chair. We'll also be doing a bonus healthy hair mindset facilitation where we'll curate love for our natural hair through personal reflection. We hope to see you there. And until then, you can give us a follow on social media at Your Hair Made Simple. And thank you for being a part of our community. 